Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back to the third hour of the morning tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio, your home, Las Vegas Raiders. It's Adam Hill, Clay Baker, and you for this third and final hour. We'll give you a chance to win those two tickets for Rob Zombie at 9.38, thereabouts. And we'll also have Sam and Ash coming on at 9.45 uh, with some street legal. Fantastic stuff, Sam and Ash. I don't know. Uh, uh, we'll get a little further in and their comments on, on the Deshaun Watson education um, and the, the judgment that came down earlier this week. But joining us now, because as we've been speaking about the Hall of Fame game and the life and career of Cliff Branch, Pete Banaszak joins us here. Of course, you know, the great running back, the legendary running back for the Raiders. AFL and Super Bowl champion from 66 to 78, all 13 years with the Raiders. And he joins us here. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning to you. How are you? Good, good. Nice to join you and uh, hope to uh, uh, tell you how good the Raiders are. Yeah, well, I tell you what, we've been talking about it. We we always have like, you know, that, that certain point of the year where it's like, it doesn't feel like football season has started, but it has begun. And, you know, and I think it's great that the Hall of Fame game is something that, you know, gives the Raiders an extra week to kind of get going with Josh McDaniels. But it's also that moment of time for a guy like Cliff Branch. And you played seven seasons with Cliff, winning a Super Bowl together. Uh, When you start to think about some of the descriptions of Cliff Branch as a receiver, what made him so dangerous as a player well i i think you know there's uh there's a lot of factors that, and a lot of great things that uh, clifford could do and he was a uh, we all know he was one of the fastest guys that i ever i've ever played with and uh but he was a you know he was a strong team player he uh when he was called on, he delivered. And uh, Cliff was the kind of guy that, you know, he, 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 he was a weapon. I mean, I, uh, I guarantee you, I've had defensive backs from other teams tell me that uh, their knees would knock when they'd have to line up <laughs> over him. And uh, because he was, he just had a lot of great personal talent. I mean, not only being fast, but he could catch, catch the football real well. And, you know, I, I think... You know, you learn off of other people when you get around, you know, players that play your position. And I think Fred Bolenikoff, you got to give Fred a lot of credit because he worked a lot with Cliff. And if Cliff ever, you know, would probably tell you that if he was talking to you in person, that he learned a lot from Fred. And Fred and him spent a lot of time together, you know, working on routes and some, some certain, you know, moves and cuts and and actually, uh, you know, telling them how, how to prepare for games, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and certain cornermen who were the good ones in the league, you know, how to, how to maneuver them. And uh, uh, I, the thing I liked about Cliff, he was a 100% team player, and he, he was uh, well-liked by his teammates and well-respected. And... Uh, uh, and the thing I liked about Cliff, he always had a smile on his face, and uh, he was he was really a truly great guy to play with. 
you uh, you'd been there for a couple of years when he got there. How quickly did you and, and your teammates know you had something special? Well, just by his speed, you could watch him, and uh, he, you know he, he would just you know I, I always got a kind of a bang out of him. One time he, we were playing, and and I think it was Daryl Lamonica or Kenny Stabler. Uh, they asked him about if he could, if he, did he think he could beat this guy? And the guy, Cliff said, looked up, looked up in the huddle at him and said, told Kenny, he says, just throw it as far as you can throw it. I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> and and he he did. He, he was he was just a great great guy to play with, and and always a positive attitude, and, and it was it was fun to play with him. You were speaking with Pete Banizek, uh, Raiders AFL and Super Bowl champion, the great running back, leading the NFL in rushing TDs in 75. He's here with us on the morning tailgate. Then with that speed and elusiveness, is that exactly what John Madden and Al Davis really wanted on offense? Because you guys were so explosive, but having that element, it seemed to be that was one of the few weapons that other teams had no match for. Speed. And that Al Davis knew that. And, uh, you had to be exceptional if you didn't have the speed. You'd have to be an exceptional athlete for Al Davis to like you and play for the Raiders. Uh, and, and when I say that, I talk about Fred Blitnikoff because Fred probably had the greatest moves of any receiver I've ever seen. He knew how to manipulate manipulate the cornermen and that he played against, and uh, he like had a. a uh, encyclopedia on each guy, and he knew, you know, how to beat him. But Cliff could just beat you with raw speed. I mean, he could just run right by you. And uh, I remember so many games that, um, you know, pass completions for over thirty-five yards to Cliff or Branch for for touchdowns. You know, wow. and he could just he could just pull away from you and. Uh, and the thing about it is he wasn't that big of a guy, but you couldn't get close enough to him at any time to knock him off his pattern. Or He, he, would, he had exceptionally speed, and uh, you couldn't cover him. I, I, I've never seen a guy like that, you know. And uh, uh, he certainly was between he and Fred, and, and I think Fred kind of got tutored him a lot and, and – Helping him, you know, um, devise uh, uh, moves against certain players. You know, the, those guys were, were were really really great at analyzing who they were playing against and uh, and finding ways to beat them. And uh, Fred didn't have the speed that Cliff did, but he Fred had the moves, and Cliff had the speed and. Uh, and what made Cliff, I think, is the more he played, you know, and as he progressed in his years playing with the Raiders, he became a better receiver every year. He could catch the ball in crowds, you know, and and make make just some fantastic catches. So we we all wish this was happening when Cliff was around and that he could be there for this. But what what will it mean to you and the teammates to uh, to see this happen? this weekend and Cliff finally get his moment? Well, uh, everybody's waiting for it, you know, because <laughs> when you, when you got a guy like with that kind of speed, 
you just waiting for him to get loose, you know. And trust me, those those cornermen that he'll play against, they'll have armpits down in their waist. <laughs> they will, because <laughs> uh, speed speed is is, is deadly on, on the outside when you got weapons like Cliff Branch and 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 uh, you know players of that order. Well, you know, the players of that order, there are so many characters on the teams that you played with in Oakland, Pete, that, like, how did John Madden, I mean, did he impose a curfew on you guys, and how on earth did he, did you get around all that? Well, John had rules, yeah, you know, he didn't have many of them, but he had, <laughs> he, he had rules and the rules he had, you, you know, one of them was, you play like hell on Sunday and give me everything you got, that was the most important rule to have. Uh, but John let us have our um, have our, our players, you know, our, our fun, our uh, uh, relaxation period of time that, that we needed. But uh, when it came to uh, lining up on Sunday at one o'clock, you better be ready to give them everything you had. You know, you're going to be honored here coming up with the Raiders uh, going to honor the AFL champion Raiders of 1967. That's 55 years, Pete. It's unbelievable. But can you describe what it was like to play with, you know, guys like the late Daryl LaMonica? Well, Daryl was, uh, I, I mean, I think some of the guys that played, uh, I had the opportunity to play with are some of the greatest players that, that ever played the game. I, uh, in their positions. Daryl was a great one. Uh, and then along came Kenny Stabler. And then we had the, uh, the, the Mr. Do Everything, uh, George Blanda. I mean, it's hard to find three quarterbacks on that, on one team like of that caliber. <laughs> I was just very fortunate and lucky. And, and when you got the talent, you know, all you got to do is, 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 is deliver it. And, uh, we, I think, did a pretty good job of doing that. And, and uh, we had a lot of great teams with a lot of great players. And um, I just sometimes just sit and daydream when, about each guy that, that I played with, Cliff being one, George Blanda being one, and Jim Otto being one. You know, um, Defense, we had great defensive players. Uh, God, we had Sistrunk uh, and... Uh, uh, Villa Piano and uh, uh, Jack Tatum and George Atkinson, great players. I mean, uh, uh, that, how they got them all on one team was was beyond me. But uh, I I was fortunate to play with a lot of great players. Well, Pete, uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, we got we to ask you this one question, because ever since we announced that you were coming on the show a couple hours ago, you know, you, there, there's not a longer memory of, of any fan base in the world like Raider Nation. They remember things that it's like it happened yesterday. And several people have texted in, Pete. They wanted to ask you this question, and it, and it goes like this. How did Pete feel about the Sports Illustrated cover after the Colts game, getting his face mask ripped off and no penalty, but on the cover for all to see? Do you remember what what was going on back then with that Sports Illustrated cover? No, I don't. I uh, 
I, I really don't. Yeah. Tell me about it. No, I don't. I don't. These people have like an institutional memory of Raider Nation that they remember like right to the very second where they were at, what afternoon it was, yeah. where they were sitting in the Oakland Coliseum. Yeah, there like, was just a, a photo of, uh, yeah. of you clearly getting face masks, but there was no penalty on the play. Uh, I, I had uh, my last one for you, Pete, is you, you came from a, a high school in northern Wisconsin. You go to college at Miami. How quickly after you saw the campus at Miami did you know you had to go there? <laughs> I um I didn't, didn't know there was a place like Miami. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I, after growing up in um, in fifty miles north of Green Bay, uh, up in the farming community, uh, um, I, uh, I I really didn't know anything else other than uh, cows and manure <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you name it. I, I but going down to Miami, I did. I found my place, and I still uh, think Miami is a great, great place, a great place to go to school. Um, I play with a lot of good players, and uh, and I have a lot of great memories of. Um, but uh, the biggest one is uh, getting drafted by the Raiders uh, in the fifth round uh, was was awesome. I mean. I, I never thought I'd last 13 years in the NFL, and uh, I think I was able to because I played with a lot of great players and played for a lot of great coaches and a great owner, and now and uh, they, they had confidence in me. Well, Pete, it's actually uh, just a real pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. It's an honor, and we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks when you come to Las Vegas for the AFL Championship Ceremony from 1967. Thank you again for your time, Pete. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again, and uh, uh, we appreciate the perspective of Cliff Branch and those great Raider teams. Okay, well, nice talking to you, and I look forward to seeing you all. All right, thank Thanks, you. Sir. Pete Banizak, the pride of Krivitz, Wisconsin. And can you imagine going to Miami no. after living up in that area, the Arctic uh, tundra? It must have looked like a like a, you know like a copper tone like suntan oil commercial, <laughs> walking around, and uh, you just don't. It's like two different worlds like from MTV Spring Break, <laughs> yeah, right? It's yeah. everything but Ed Lover and Yo MTV yeah. Raps. Uh, it would yes, I would have immediately called my parents and said. Uh, if you guys want to come to Miami, I'll see you. If not, nice knowing you. <laughs> right. You know, there was a tearful goodbye at the station, but you know what? I'm not leaving here until it's done here in Miami. <laughs> Pete, thank you, Pete Badizek. That was great. Uh, and I'll tell you what, you know, when you talk about, like, how much talent was on the offense back then, it eventually had to start changing the way teams were playing defense because you could no longer play man when you would see the Raiders just wipe teams out. Even in that AFL game in 1967, they beat the Houston Oilers, you know, 40 to seven in Oakland uh, to win the championship. They just no, everyone was playing man defense. There was no way you could have kept up with those athletes. No, no, that, and that was that was the strategy. That's what they wanted to assemble. And uh, as Pete was saying, it was just this collection of unbelievable talent that somehow was. You know, was was stacked together and and was constructed uh, by Al Davis and then John Madden, and uh, that's why they had so much success. They were they would win every year uh, with all that talent they put together, and it just kind of changed the game with the speed on the field. Thanks again to Pete. We appreciate your time, Pete and Eddie Borsilli's interviews will be up on our podcast page at lvsportsnetwork.com following the show. Adam and I will take a break. We'll come back. Uh, more thoughts from the text line 69187, and we'll talk about some position battles that could be looming in the next couple weeks for the Raiders. All that and more on Raider Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate. He caught the ball, Jim said. He caught the ball. He caught the 
Blinken ball. He caught the darn ball. Oh, oh, you're gone. That is Blinken fertilizer. I'm doing the best to translate. You've got to be blinking me. Unbelievable. Blinking unbelievable. No way. No blinking way. No bloody way. On a Freestyle Wednesday, remembering the life of the great Vince Scully here on Raider Nation Radio. It's morning tailgate. Adam Hill, Clay Baker, and you at 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash will join us at 945. We've got some interesting stories, not only about Deshaun Watson, but uh, the rugby players have now started to bring a, uh, a class action lawsuit against the Federation of Rugby for head injuries. We'll talk about all that and more at 945. we got time for calls, and we also will give you a chance around 938 for our last commercial break. A chance to win two tickets to see Rob Zombie, Mudvayne, as well as Power Man 5000, all at the Michelob Ultra Arena, August 13th, Saturday. Get your tickets, AXS.com, for that. But we'll give you a chance to win them. Be caller number nine at 938. We'll hook you up here on Raider Nation Radio. Adam and Clay here with you for the next few minutes. Uh, let's get out to the phones. 702-365-9200 is the Realty One Group listener line with the chronicler of Raider history, it's Raider 66 here in Las Vegas. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Hey, good. Thank you. Great. Oh, man, I tell you, having Pete Benazek on, that was, that was just like uh, music to my ears. You know, those old school guys. Number 40. I think he was like the poster boy for blue-collar football players. I mean, that guy wasn't flamboyant, right. wasn't uh, flashy. He just did his job. And, you know, you guys are talking about the, the Raiders and their new, uh, you know, running back by committee and stuff like that. Who's going to do what on any given week? Uh, the Raiders actually did that back in the mid-'70s, and Banaszak was part of that. They had Banaszak, Van Egan, and Clarence Davis. And there was the year, 1975, that Banaszak never started a game, and yet he led the Raiders in carries, yards, and touchdowns. So it was just a morph. And then after a couple of years, Van Egan kind of got the, the bulk of it. He got like half the carries, and then Davis and, and Banaszak just split up the other half. But, you know, he's talking about just name after name after name after name of great players that he played with. And, and I got to think that Daryl Monica, you know, he's gone now too. He's probably going to be the next Raider in, and it's going to be Kenny and, and Cliff all over. But how hard is it to get Daryl Monica in the Hall of Fame? You walk into the meeting and you say, uh, highest, second highest winning percentage all time in the NFL. Drop the mic and walk out. That should be all you need. I mean, that guy from 67 to 69, three consecutive years, was 40, uh, was 36, 4 and 1. 36-4-1, and I know you're saying, okay, Raider 66, but that was in the AFL years. Yes, it was. But in 67, Raiders went to the Super Bowl. 68, the AFL won the Super Bowl. 69, AFL won the Super Bowl. So the AFL was a dominant league right then, and he was just kicking the crap out of everybody. You know, I think it's awesome that the Raiders are going to take a little field trip today to the Hall of Fame because I, I, I don't think even the veterans know how much um, the Raiders have been on the NFL history. And when they go in there, see, the Raiders have their own wing. And then you got a whole room for John Madden, a whole room for Al Davis, mm. and just let people go through there, and they could charge a separate admission for that. It, <laughs> it's just amazing the uh, input that the Raiders have had on the NFL. I mean, you're talking uh, from Madden, I mean, you're a great coach, yep. a great broadcaster, 16-time Emmy winner. Uh, great uh, uh, video game, top selling all time. You just say his name, and that's what it is. 
You got Al Davis, who uh, was great on equality. I mean, first Latino head coach, first black head coach in the modern era, first female CEO, and and rule changes. They affected rule changes uh, several times. I got a really great one I'll go into some other time, but I just want to say it was great hearing Banizak on there and just listing all those great players they played with. And uh, I hope everybody has a great time at the Hall of Fame. Wish I could go, but i got to work. But you guys have a great day, Raider Nation. And go Raiders. Thank you, Raiders you 66. Go. That was Dynamite. 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 The rule alone. I mean, after the Holy Roller, the people had to get together and whatever rules committee was back then are like, uh, we never thought of this before, but the Raiders have found a way to win, and we have to figure this out. I was, I was just reading a lot about Lester Hayes yesterday and the uh, the Stickham Rule in 1981. Okay. Of, Explain that for everybody who doesn't well, he, know. He, yeah. like, players used Stickham at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was used, you know, somewhat commonly, and the Raiders, you know, certainly uh, a couple of guys around the team. I think Blitnikoff in particular was, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty used to using it on the hands, and it, you yeah. know, is a, a substance that helps you, you know, helps the ball stick to your hands and make some catches. Well, Lester Hayes said, well, "Why stop at the hands?" <laughs> and he just covered himself. It was <laughs> Let's on go his all the way down to the elbow. everywhere, and it would yeah. it would enable him to, to like, stick close to the receiver, not let the receivers get away. Uh, <laughs> just really using it to his advantage. And, you know, when people say, and it's, I think it's one of the reasons he hasn't been inducted in the Hall of Fame, which he certainly deserves, that they say, well, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like a, a, the steroids of, you know, a football. <laughs> no, where, it's hey, not. It's, but it wasn't illegal at the time. Right. And so, you know, he just figured out a way to use it in a different way. <laughs> and by the way, you know, I know that the people point out the interception numbers went down. Sure, they did after he, after the rule went into effect and the Lester Hayes rule uh, prevented that from happening, but go back and look. He was still making the Pro Bowl every year. He was still an All Pro every year after that. He just wasn't getting the interceptions. He, he, you know, he was playing a different style of game, but he was still an elite corner at the time. I mean, he played and started pretty much every game that there was. Uh, he, he constantly was, you know, finding production on the field, but you know. They didn't really have like shutdown corner statistics back then. It was just really ranking interceptions and whatever kind of uh, yardage you got out of that. It yeah, was hard no to quantify. PFF. Yeah, there's no PFF. It's hard to quantify his importance on the field. But I mean, when you see that the merchandise that was out there, like there was tons of Lester Hayes, you know, uh, posters and stuff because he was that dominant of a corner. But yeah, you have to change rules. Raiders are, have got that notoriety of, you know, we've had to change things around a little bit yeah, just to uh, the league in lawsuits, changing <laughs> rules. It was it was it's such an impact the organization has had on the league. It, it, you know what? And it, it kind of put the water to my eyes uh, a year and a half ago when the Al Davis versus the NFL documentary came out to to let everyone know that. Al Davis understood what the league was going to do and be in 30 years from now. That's why he had to make sure, like, they had a brand new stadium. They had suites. They had other generation or revenue generators all around their team because it's not enough just to get concessions and ticket prices. You have to share that money anyway. I'm still creeped out by that CGI Al Davis, though. No, I, I've had, you know I've tried to interview him. I've tried to like go and find him. Like, just I, I just want to see what you look like and what you sound like. You know, it's it's, it's, it's a it's a weird. Technology's weird, man. They, they can figure some things out. And to actually have him in the documentary was very strange. The It, it was almost like the Irishman when they tried to make Robert De Niro and, and Joe Pesci try to look younger. Sure. And it was like it was just nothing doing. You know, sure. it was like, you know, you try to make a Robert De Niro 65 into 35. It's like you, you, the computer still needs it's some like work. It's like a hologram Tupac. <laughs> right. Same thing. Yeah. Just wait. They'll start lining up for that after sure. the Whitney Houston show. Sure. Um, but yeah, the idea is that for, for a guy like Lester Hayes and also, you know, like 
it, do you feel like how the, some of the guys in Cliff Branch's uh, you know era are also kind of like put into a, an era of like being snubbed or even overlooked because the way the game offensively has changed, the numbers back then don't can't be compared to what's happening now. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. and I think it's it is tough for people to to look at numbers and just say, well, this guy only had this many yards or this many. Yeah, it was. First of all. Part of you know the rules. The rule changes weren't just. I mean, the Raiders were impacting a lot of rule changes, but other teams were as well. Where they had to change rules because you know the Steelers are so good at just holding on to receivers. And back Hello. then, you, it was so hard to get open because you could just hold a receiver. And I'm not one of these. You know, ah, so the olden days were so much better. It's just it was different. It was very different. And you know, they they made it so that offenses have a little bit more abilities and numbers skyrocketed. And so it, it's very tough to compare eras. If you didn't see the see the games back then and just say, oh, this guy only had this many stats, so that that's not good enough. Well, it's a different game, different game, different era, and and uh, you, you're yeah, that's the thing about Adam. For the, those of you who have not uh, listened to Adam on ESPN Las Vegas with Cofield and Company for all these years, he's a stickler for the rules. All right, well, that's because, true. And it's like you, we have to follow the framework of the rules. That's how we get through this. So, well, it, I'm, I'm, in addition to that, because I am, I'm I'm very much rule rule focused, but I'm also loophole guy. Like I'm. I'm very into the rules because I want the set rules so you know how to find the loopholes and beat them. (laughs) So that is that is part of it. But I also am a athlete just get better. The game is better now. The the athletes are better. Everything's better. But you can still appreciate the past and what guys did compared to guys in their era. And that's what you have to look at. That's that's the only way that you can't have this uh, one size fits all mentality. It just doesn't work like that. Uh, we got time for one more call, 702-365-9200. Out to New Jersey. Hey, it's Mitch in New Jersey. What's up, Mitch? Good morning. How's it going? The, the, the Raiders fandom is all over. Yes. Yeah. At least North and South America, I, I, I think. Um, Raiders, there's so many good plays. How come the Raiders won't uh, re- have a few retired numbers? I know we're not the New York Yankees yet. I know you can only go, I don't, I don't want to see, you know, triple digit, triple, digit, triple digit numbers in any uniforms. I mean, you see Justin Aaron Judge wearing number nine. I think it's ridiculous. And two more plays. I want to hear what you think about these uh, guys. I know that I think injuries curtail their careers. Sure. Justin Fergus, Fargus, Justin Fargus, and Mike Siani. He's from my Staten Island. He was like five miles from my house. Different high school. Mike Siani, I played in the late 70s. Um, he never won career, but he was pretty good in his heyday. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, you know what? Very good thoughts on that. Um, you know what? And that's the thing about the numbers. You would start running out of numbers if you started doing that with the Raiders. Maybe that's why they haven't done that, <laughs> that so far. That too, but I mean, I think there is something almost special about not doing it, where everybody else does it, and they have you know this you know these ceremonies, and now the, the number is retired. But for the Raiders, yeah, that that part of it, there's so many of them that would be gone. You wouldn't even have enough numbers to go around for the team. But also, like the 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 specialness of it is not doing it, where there, I think there's only. Th- Three teams, maybe in the NFL, that haven't retired a number. Yes. The Raiders being one. I think the Falcons, and I don't think Cowboys do it either. Yeah, they so, have they have the Ring of Honor, but they yeah. don't retire the number. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, there's almost a a special quality about not doing it. And, and to if you would do it, and by the way, if you did one or two, then it would it would be so hard to choose and to and to you know sort through impossible which ones you would do. I mean, I think there's certainly a couple of uh, obvious candidates, but. Uh, I, I think it's cool that they don't do it, and, the, and it's a cool tradition to to not do it. Uh, speaking of traditions, uh, Adam's going to embark on one right after this show as he's going to head to where the uh, 
uh, Delmar where, Racing. Where the surf meets the turf, the I think, is the, the, the turf. phrase you were looking for. It's a, it's, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue, but... Uh, uh, LV Raider Marcus uh, chiming in on Twitter at RNR 920 says nothing like nothing like Trevor Denman and the mic. Um, you know, it's it, there's great traditions, but that's a sojourn you like to make every year. Uh, this time around, you're going in high style. You're going in like you know, you guys are living up in, a, in the high life. Right? I, I, have, be in the I have friends that are I have friends that are uh, very prominent and very you know successful. So I ride their coattails. But yeah, I got some as well. We should some nice premium seating <laughs> down there that we'll uh, we'll enjoy. For the weekend, and I'm just you know it's, it's cool. The, the Raiders, I'll be down there watching the game obviously uh, tomorrow. Check that out uh, at night. Not from the track. I'll probably leave, and so I can focus a little bit more and uh, you know take some notes and that sort of thing. But uh, for the rest of the weekend, yeah, just sitting there. And, and the Raiders won't practice again, I believe, till Monday. Yeah. Uh, so got a couple of days, and usually you don't get a chance to sneak away during training camp. So it'll be nice to to get out for a couple of days. This is our last chance before the campaign it's, begins. It's been a grind already. It's only a couple of weeks. I know the players actually have to be on the field, but man, standing on the sidelines is brutal. <laughs> Especially the other day, it went from 105 to a monsoon. <laughs> so what happened when the monsoon hit? And I, uh, Ed was like, everybody just cleared. You know, we're running for our lives. <laughs> is, that, is that your impression? <laughs> yes. Okay. My my, uh, my, right. my 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 quick ad lib on Eddie. Okay. Uh, but uh, what happened? I mean, every I mean, everyone. Probably looked like they were soaked rats, like drowned rats rolling in there. It was nuts because, it, like the, <laughs> it was it was funny too because the clouds are rolling in. And you saw it about a half hour away, and the Raiders actually skipped a couple of periods uh, in their practice because they wanted to, they they had the radar. They had a guy there monitoring the radar. They knew exactly when it was going to start raining. Literally, they timed the practice to end right when the rain started. Which Brilliant, was crazy. It was very well done. But as the clouds are rolling in, everybody says this looks bad. And there's people that are chiming in. No, no, no! It's not supposed to start till 1:30. <laughs> uh, look, look up! It's crazy, and it it just it turned quick. And then the worst part for me, uh, I you know went in there. The monsoon came. We ran back to the media room and were just drenched as we were trying to do interviews back in the media room. And then I finally write my story about three hours later. I walk out to my car, flat tire. Had to try to figure that out in just a monsoon out oh, in Henderson. Perfect so that timing. Was fun. Oh, great timing. Oh, this is good. Yeah, it's already been a grind. Sure. Yeah, we're not even into September. Oh yeah, this uh, is beautiful. it'll be good to get away a couple of days. Thank you, man, for coming in today. Of course, I've, I've really enjoyed this, and uh, hopefully, we get a chance to do this again in the next twenty years. <laughs> the good timeline. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're going through like the Aztec calendar now. The next time we get a chance to do a show Perfect. together. Haley's uh, Comet, I think, next time. Uh, yeah. That's Whenever good. it comes through. That'll be great. Then I'll be 82. Uh, uh, Adam Hill on Twitter, at Adam Hill LVRJ. And, of course, read his fine work at VegasNation.com and the Las Vegas Review Journal. Well, we'll step aside here. Sam and Ash will set to join us, but we'll give you a chance to win those Rob Zombie tickets at 702-365-9200. Rob Zombie, Saturday, August 13th at the Michelob Ultra Arena over at Mandalay Bay with Mudvayne and Power Man 5000. Get your tickets now. Be caller number 9, 702-365-9200. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. That's right here, uh, 9.45 every Wednesday. It's time to get a little street legal with my good friend Sam and Ash. 702-820-1234 and SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Available both on Instagram and on Facebook at Sam and Ash Law. Good morning, you two. How are you? 
Good morning. We're good. Good morning, Clay. Hello. Oh, it's so good to hear from you both. And uh, there's a lot to want to get to. And also maybe just do like a little bit of a, a bookend on the Deshaun Watson ruling. But, uh, you know, here's a story that's just been like it's sitting with me. And I, I don't know exactly. Uh, I want to ex- ex- express it the right way. But the rugby players in Britain, in Great Britain, in England, are suing World Rugby, the governing bodies, over head injuries. There's a story that's really starting to gain momentum from a sport that doesn't have, you know, real protection as far as like, you know, padding, helmets, anything. I mean, you can't think of a more destructive and violent sport than rugby. It's beautiful at the same way, but the the players and participants who are in there, they take everything on themselves. But you know what? They are now, you know, coming together and there is a, you know, 185 professionals, semi-pro and pro, you know, you know, get saying, you know, we got brain damage, we got various irreversible neurological impairments, but they've also maintained that the governing body Failed to you know, adequately inform them about you know uh, the injuries, educating and warning them about permanent brain damage. All right, uh, you know rugby. It's almost like I can see the problem happening even before the problem be, you know begins, as far as an injury is concerned. But is that what the world governing bodies are going to do? Like, look, you knew what you're getting into with this game. How we, how would you need me to warn you if you already know when you're as a player, you are putting your life there on the line with broken limbs and all sorts of uh, shots to the head. I think first of all, if you haven't seen a rugby match, it is one of the most brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, sanctioned events yes. in sports that you'll you'll ever witness. Uh, it is American football is nothing compared to uh, to, to classic rugby. Exactly. So, exactly. With that said, you raise an interesting point, right? To what extent is there is there is there a reasonable uh, acceptance of risk by the players that are are playing sport? And mm. candidly, that's going to be their. Uh, their case, right? That's going to be the defense of the of the rugby league to uh, say, look, we, you know, we know you know this is a, a high contact sport. You you it, we don't hide that from you. You you're well aware going into it what this is, but the 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 issue will come. What they, I guess, if the if the league if there's a history of the league sweeping under the rug mm. reports of injuries and long-term side effects of it and then not disclosing that risk uh, i would i would think even in writing i mean it, they should be putting this on their contracts in big bold letters we you know it is you might develop x y and z and and so if they're not doing that i think that's where the rugby players case if it were in us court uh, could very well be successful and 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 cause uh, cause an effect of having some changes made to the sport. You know what, uh, Ash Sam said it right. I at Michigan State, I I lived with rugby rugby players, and even the women's rugby was is about as fierce and as violent as you could ever expect it. And one day a year, they would have an alumni game with middle aged men and women coming out there and leaving with broken arms. You know, saying, "Hey, I'll get you next year." Uh, but <laughs> is that what they're looking for? Is that a smoking gun? If they could ever find, if these governing bodies had information about head injuries and they swept it under the rug, is that the only thing they're really pinning on, or is there something more that uh, this you know these 185 athletes could use 
Yeah, a rugby is an, an intense sport, and it's one of the only, if a ball, a rugby ball lands next to me, I run away from it out of fear <laughs> of the herd of people that would tackle me yes. if I touched it. So, I, yes, it's brutal. What you want to look at is the NFL went through this years ago with its former players suing the league mm. over concealing the dangers of concussions, rushing injured players back onto the field, glorifying and profiting from those big, hard-hitting pad crunching hits that we all remember. I mean, they were making uh, DVDs of just the big hits back in the day. And so now that's what the NFL was facing and they ultimately settled with the players. And so you're going to, you're going to compare these two cases really, but I I don't know the, the legal system and if it's actually parallel to what we have here and if it will unearth that, but I would anticipate a settlement to keep any knowledge of what that league knows and was concealing from the players uh, quiet. You know, the NHL went through something like this with retired players. I, I believe it was before COVID. Uh, that was a very small settlement. I think it was only about 20000 per each player, a uh, person in that class action lawsuit about it. And, you know, quite honestly, after the years, yeah, that money's going to help, but it's not going to help a lot. But at this time around, like, is that, is that something that could also start going into now there needs to be a waiver? If you want to start playing rugby at the club level or even into the professional level, you have to have this knowledge that we cannot totally protect you. It's not a prejudice against rugby players, but it's something that like, you know what, uh, buyer beware, caveat empire. If you're going to get involved here, you have to understand these risks. But at the same time, if you are making money on these players, is there sort of like that that backlash of saying you better put some money away for when uh, real injuries start occurring and these players are now on social media and on TV and they look like hell? Right. So remember, if you sign a waiver, if you go to like a trampoline park and you go in and they give you a giant waiver that says there are all these risks associated with entering the park and jumping around on the trampolines, you can sign that and assume the general risks associated with that activity. What you don't assume is gross negligence on the part of the trampoline park or here the NHL, NFL, Rugby Association. So it wouldn't, even if these players come in, sign a notice and a waiver of, I understand the risks associated with playing rugby or whatever sport to my long-term brain health, they still, it doesn't give the leagues the, the freedom to ignore that and let them go out with less than top-notch helmet or head protection or forcing them back to the field or ice before they're fully healed, it wouldn't, they still wouldn't escape that liability. What it would force, they'd still have to train them, protect them, et cetera, but you would limit your liability. Is that where we're headed here, Sam, for this? Uh, uh, What do you think is the next step for uh, the world governing bodies here? Because we see rugby being played all over the globe. Well, it's going to depend, I, I think, in large part how this lawsuit plays out, right? I mean, that's typically how change uh, occurs, certainly in our country. It's uh, a lot of times it is not until the lawyers get involved. People like to uh, be be mad at lawyers. But you look mm-hmm. at anything from abuse in, in USA Gymnastics to the NFL to, you know, to any sport, particularly any sport where there's there are concerns and problems, and and it it takes a, it takes a lawsuit, it takes legal action to get to get meaningful change. So, will there be change? Yes, potentially. Particularly if the case goes forward and ends up, uh, you know, ends up uh, costing some money. 
All right, final two minutes here. We're with Sam and Ash from Street Legal, Sam and Ash Injury Law, SamandAshLaw.com, available both in Nevada and in California. Go online as well as call 702-820-1234. Deshaun Watson, uh, the ruling was made by Judge Robinson, a six-game suspension. Do you think the NFL will appeal? Yes. Yes. That's all I've got to say. Yes, I do. Because it kind of puts everything into the union's court, right? It's like, all right, then you defend against the six games. Is it? Oh, by, by, by the way, look, I mean, the, the the players' union is putting a statement out there saying we accept this, we accept this outcome, and we really hope that the NFL does the same. <laughs> uh, and and I think everything in that statement tells me what's coming next. There's going to be an appeal, and. Uh, but uh, and look, I, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it to Ashley to talk about that part of it. But I, I absolutely agree that um, that there's that there's going to be an appeal. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, maybe just in the wording, sometimes Ash, you can you can already tell what the other side is thinking because they already know how things are going to go down. And a, an appeal would uh, is probably the next likely step, right? Yeah, when the Players Association came out and said they wouldn't appeal before we even knew what the sentence was, it indicated to me that they already knew. Okay, uh, They knew. We just didn't know. Uh, I expect the NFL to appeal this for one reason, to send a message to all the future, all the other players out there, future players, that you cannot behave this way. Any level of sexual misconduct that is determined through this new process to be true uh, will face severe pen- pun- punishment, and that's what they're going to do. And it's Roger Goodell's legacy, and to him, that's more important than anything else. So I expect an appeal. Well, thank you, Ash, and thank you, Sam, both for coming on today. Uh, love being with you. Let's do it again next Wednesday. We'll continue on uh, an interesting story out of UCLA and Under Armour, where there's a, a, a gross amount of millions misspent and uh, unpaid for. We'll get into all that next week. Thank you both for coming on. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, Clay. Thank Thanks, you. Clay. SamandAshLaw.com, available both on Instagram and on Facebook, 702-820-1234, available both in Nevada and in California. We're out of time. Thanks again for joining us. All our podcasts will be up on our show page at LVSportsNetwork.com, as well as iTunes, Audible, and Amazon. A big thank you again for Adam Hill for stepping in. Make sure you check him out at Adam Hill LVRJ. For Adam, I'm Clay. Have a great day, everyone. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.